So uh, I'll just spread the card. I'll just move my finger like this, and you can just say stop whenever you want. Stop. Right here. Yep. Okay. I'm not. I'm sure it's not gonna look at it, but you can look at it. Oh, you might need, you need to bring it a bit down. Uh, yeah, got it. You got it? Cool. Cool. Okay. So this card goes right here in the middle of the deck. Mm -hmm. Just like so. So I'm not going to look, but so just so you can see. Yep. So nothing fish is going on. I'm just going to press it just in the middle like that. Mm -hmm. Now, the weird thing is when you look to the card box over here, there's actually one card in it. So as you can see, there's one card right in the box. So it's empty now. Mm -hmm. And if I'm correct, it should be your card. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is. Oh, welcome back to the Headbangers podcast. I'm your host, Brad. Unfortunately, Nathan again can't be here today because he tested positive for COVID on Saturday. But here we are, here with Mendel. You might know him from his solo projects, you might know him from his producing, and you might know him from Aborted. Um, how are you doing, man, to start off with? Um, I'm actually busy. I'm like re uh, redecorating my whole studio. I, I went to Ikea and that kind of stuff. So, uh, But besides that, pretty busy, but good, good, healthy busy. So, yeah, can't complain. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask, so we like to start off with like an ice icebreaker. Um, what's your funniest tour story? Oh my God, Jesus. Uh, man, this, I'll, I'll shorten it down because it's a really long story, but we were touring in Japan and we were, we were our, me and an other guitar player of a different band, System Divide, we were brought to a hotel, but the hotel was actually a cubicle where a lot of Japanese people like masturbate <laughs> kind of what? stuff. So I, so I had to sleep on a beanbag with certain certain sounds around me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That must have been quite the experience. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the best. No. I think um, we, when we were speaking to Cytotoxin, they were telling us, I think, about a tour that they went with you guys on. And they were doing, like, lady fights in the tour bus. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? So I've, been, I've been waiting to ask you guys about that. Okay. Okay. So, or well, I, I say R, but because I'm 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 not in the border anymore. But yeah. back when I was been back when I was in the border, uh, our merch dude and the driver from the US, awesome dude called Garrity, he had this idea. <laughs> I can't can't even know. I even want to tell this, but he has this thing called the idea called Lady Fights with <laughs> you. Oh my god, will you put your penis between your legs and fight with someone else who has the same thing? And the first person where the, the penis goes like back into its place loses. That's basically it. <laughs> do you, yeah. you partake in that? No, no, no. no. I, I, but I remember I was like sleeping above and people screaming. And it was like 3 a.m. in the morning, and I went downstairs and I see two people fight like that. Like, okay, I'm going back up. This is idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back to bed, guys. I'm not. I'm yeah, not that's it. Right yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you got into like something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, so what, what was it like leaving the board then? Do you feel like it was the best decision for you going forward to progress other areas of your life? Like what tell us actually, about that for, process? Yeah, actually, for, for me it it worked. So basically, so that year, 2018, my dad passed away in March. And ah, oh, he, he was 89, so. I had an awesome life, but um, I remember, and it's probably a, a, a cliche thing, but when someone in your surrounding passed away, a lot of people have the thought like, okay, what do I want to do before I die? Yeah. And I was already playing in the border for, I think seven, I think seven years, maybe eight, but I think, think it was seven. And I noticed like um, the first tour we did after my dad passed away was this was the US tour. I noticed I was enjoying the hanging around more, way more than playing live or playing playing death metal or yeah. doing the performance. So that's basically that led up to a point to a climax almost where I was like, okay, I don't enjoy this anymore. And like it takes up a lot of time. And for me personally, I wanted to do um, different things. 
with my career, if it's my soul music, but especially like composing and mixing and mastering bands. So it was basically going into like in a total different uh, direction than performing live. But I had like, I still to this day, like the playing the board is one of my highlights of my life. Like I've, I've checked every country of my bucket list. That's awesome. Met amazing people. But at a certain point, like, to like to to come back to the thing like what do i want to do before i die do i want to do like touring and playing shows like four or five months uh, a year like if, if you if you put find everything together mm. or do i want to invest the time in something different and to me that, that, that led up to the point something different well i'm sure there's a lot of members of bands that you know as they go along after so many years like they're like you know do i want to be tied down doing this forever like i, I feel like i've had my fun now I've got these other avenues that I would like to go down, but I feel like right. the band is going to just take up my entirety of my time. So, and I can see, I mean, I've got some more questions in the future about like what, uh, what you're doing right now, but yeah, like I imagine you wouldn't have been able to do half the things that you're doing now if you were still an important because the touring and, you know, the, the writing of the albums, like that must be very taxing after a while. It, it, it is like, like, um, the guys even noticed it kind of because when I was, when we were practicing for the European tour at the end of 2018, like my mind was even back then, like not even fully focused on the band anymore. I was more focused about my business and mixing and mastering bands and yep. developing myself as a composer. And I was actually like almost holding back the other guys because I would show up at rehearsals, not fully knowing all the new riff for the, for the new album yeah. and kind of stuff. So, yeah. No, that is fair. And um, see so what you you sell a project to them, Mendel. Like, what what is it like? The pros and cons of being by yourself and writing. Because I mean, I've I've spoke to a few seller projects people before, and it's interesting to hear like their takes on you know the pros and cons of like jamming with a band and just having a full creative direction of yourself. So tell me about what your thoughts are on that for you, at least. Oh, so so the pros are like, I I I can be very selfish, and with my solo project, it's. I can do exactly what I want to do, how exactly I want to do it. Yeah. Of course, some cons are um, like I. This most of it is instrumental, as a, so there there are no vocals. At least that's like for for my yeah. sort of stuff. Most of it is uh, is instrumental, and um, you have to pay for everything yourself. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I, I'm I'm lucky enough that I can mix my own music. I, I imagine some people would have to let someone else mix their music, that kind of stuff. So that's a pro. I would say for me personally, there are not a lot of cons because I can like, like, like now, like I'm, I'm wrapping up my, um, I think, yeah, my, my fourth solo album. And I noticed it's a lot of, uh, I don't know, like it takes a lot of time. Because it's progressive stuff, and I like every prog snob has that thing like it's never done. Basically, anyone who writes music like think when's it really done? But um, uh, creative wise, I have to say a con like it's for me it's almost difficult because I do like metal and it's progressive and it has like neoclassical influences, and that's almost like a barrier. So if like the, the cool thing with Aborted was, even though it was death metal, I had my writing style, but Ken, the drummer, also wrote a ton of stuff and he has his yep. style. And Ian, Ian, the other guitar player, writes a lot of stuff. And that could like combine into cool combinations. So with a solo thing, that's less, less so, but I would have to say there are some guest appearances on my new album, like some, some cool violin players and viola players, which give it some natural, uh, natural flavors. But to round that up, like this solo album will be the last, the last metal solo album thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm fully, fully done with metal. Like perhaps on YouTube, I would do like if a demo, demo stuff, that's metal. But this will be the last metal thing. And then it's uh, for me, at least, I think because my girlfriend says like, yeah, I heard that before. But, I, <laughs> but at this point, I say like this, is the last metal release. And after this. If I will do more solo stuff, it, it won't be metal at all. What would you like to play around with then? So, like, is there any genres? Like, you're like, oh, okay, like, but even like you said, you put one that's put violins in it. So, uh, where would where would you see it going? Like, oh, man, because 
because for a lot of years, I was, I wouldn't say scared, but I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I should implement like non-metal influences because then people might not like my music or people will stop listening to me on Spotify, that kind of stuff. But like I, uh, well, I've been listening to metal like a long time, but even before metal, I was like when I was eight or nine or something, I loved, I loved hip hip hop yeah. and like nineties pop music is my favorite thing of all time. Like that, those Best early Brit- <laughs> right Britney Spears and sing and yeah, Destiny, like all Destiny Charlotte kind of stuff. Those chord progressions. Oh my God. There's not even one metal that could live up to that. Man, well, maybe, maybe master of puppets though, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I even there to say, Master of Puppets could have some pop out. They're like the song Master of Puppets, that middle section. That that could be if Lars would be replaced with like an E kid or something, it could be like a 90s pop song or something. Yeah. I, think. I mean, what is pop? Pop is popular, right? So like if you right. look at the black album, like that is pretty poppy because and the Sandman, everyone knows the lyrics to that song. Like you could sing that. It's plays in clubs, like it's a very thin line, I think, between like certain pop genres and like popular metal bands as well right like, if you can sing along to it that's pop to me <laughs> like, yeah, that, 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 yeah that's I, I i think i agree with that but the thing is like metal is very well not everybody is like but but metal like is very like has blinders on and they're most people i think are not that open-minded about different genres and that's yeah. why i'm really happy when you have a band called fuck what's that that's a new band, has a ton of hype. Female vocalist who also screams. What's oh. the band then? Is it Spirit uh, Box? Spirit Box, that's it. Yeah. Dude, th- those influences, like, I'm like, thank God they are getting big. Or, for example, when, um, oh God, what's that band from the UK that did like metalcore, screamcore, deathcore, and then went full on pop? Oh, I was going to say Cut Orange, but I was like, that's, that's not right. <laughs> Bring with the Horizon, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're pretty smart, to be honest. Like, I used to, when I was, like, a little elitist kid, like, I was like, I hate Bring Me The Horizon. And then now I'm like, you know, I kind of respect them for changing up every album and, like, not just sticking to what the fans say that they should be doing. Like, they're always, yeah. like, ahead of the game in that way. Yeah, like, for, for like, like I, I still love metal. Like, metal is an awesome genre, but yeah. I feel like the cool thing with pop is it's so, in my opinion, so inventive with new sounds. Yeah. Like when you listen to Billie Eilish or listen to like from years ago, what's the, the, the uh, Skrillex, that kind of stuff. Those are such big steps of new sounds. Even if they have in the course the same chord progression, it's a completely different sound. And with metal, with metal, it's really less, less so. I wish small bands would like don't be afraid to just get out there you know what i mean and don't worry about what the fans think like when they implement these new sort of parts into metal that makes it more interesting and more dynamic like um that ghost man guy he was like in a the whole trap rap scene and then he's decided to make like a bit of an experimental metal but rap but hardcore album but that was like one of the most interesting releases to me last year because it combined two things i love which is rap and metal but also a whole ton of like industrial sounds into it and i'm like yep more more people should do that like don't be afraid to just try something yeah, i mean what's the point of let's say if you're a kid and you grew up on metallica what's the point if you copy metallica yeah what do you get i mean you could even say like everybody like 90 percent of the medical community could be i think an atheist believes in evolution why would you st- Stop the tiny part of evolution of not involving your music. Yeah, I mean that's so it's so important. Yeah, so so even for me, like on my last so so this solo album I'm working on, I'm like okay, I have I've done this this a lot of times, but is there something new I can bring to the yeah. table? Okay, I love film score, so perhaps I can implement into that instead of just doing blast beat, harmonic minor tremolo picking, and doing like blast beats kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, so obviously another aspect of what you're doing at the moment, you do YouTube, right? Um, yeah. So what was it like getting involved in that? And like, did you, sm- sm- yeah, did you manage to see like the, you know, the extent of reception that you've got now as a person when you first started? Like, how how was going into that? And what's like your idea for the future of it? Um, so so basically, I started doing it to 
like I noticed some uh, some people making what I saw because there are no rules in mixing and mastering, but some odd choices and some bad advice. And like for example, they would tell what what kind of EQ move EQ muse you you have to do on guitar. And also on the videos I make for for Cubase, I try to even when people ask me on Instagram or the kind of stuff, I say focus on the source like play try to play the best you can have a guitar that's properly set up then look at the amp and then in the end like even now i'm mixing a band and there's barely anything i do at, at the guitar because they played really well or yeah they play really well and there's not a lot of changes you have to make so i try to that knowledge that I learned from while recording with different producers with a board, like Jacob Hansen and Nicola Keller, those like those guys absolutely know their stuff. So I remember with with Jacob Hansen, like he he made sure that we set up our guitars very properly, had very good equip equipment to record. Yeah. So he would have to do as minimum later in the in the in the mixing phase. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So sometimes I try to do kind of funny stuff with YouTube, but I, I noticed that most people, and it is like I did a poll a couple of weeks ago, like what do you want to see on my solo stuff or mixing and mastering the kind of stuff? 70% said mixing and mastering. So I was like, okay, nobody fucking cares about my solo music. But yeah. <laughs> would you rather them care more about the producer or would you rather them care more about your music? Oh man, I was, I was more about the music, but it, it the cool thing is a lot of mixing mastering stuff I show on YouTube. I can show partly my stolen music and people like ask about like where's the music from, even though the links are in the comments, but still, yeah. Yeah. Just like, just implement as much of your music as you can. So like, like little adverts in there to sell people like, oh yeah, right. the music as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose like, you know, giving advice about, you know, the producing and the mastering and whatnot as well. Like it is something, especially like a lot of prog kids, like, you know, they love that kind of stuff. Like they, they eat that yeah, shit right. for breakfast. Yeah. And, and like, sometimes there are like, for example, the, the past, I think the past three bands I mix, well, not per se in a row, but there were three or four bands in a time span of four to five months which all had the same mistake. So everybody, so, that, so there's this one thing, and people, if you see this, listen. So there's one thing that almost every metal guitar player gets wrong. And I swear to God, almost all of them. Like I said, I had this with three to four bands in time span of five months. So they, they practice the rest. So that's awesome. They buy a good equipped guitar. They have good cables and they have a good interface and they can record good DIs, work with good amps. But what a lot of people don't realize is that your pickup height, that like the difference between the strings and your guitar pickup, especially with those active pickups, like everyone used like EMGs or Shima Duncans or whatever. Yeah. Like if that's too close to your string, all your dynamic of your playing is gone. Like it's done. It's done. So like yeah. so 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 they so they play the best they can. I get the files and like all like the DIs are all, all like chopped off so there are no dynamics. And basically, your whole playing is lost. So if you see this, lower your active pickups. So there's at least like I don't know, like perhaps like almost a centimeter of space, and that will uh, greatly improve your 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 recording. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a guitar player and you're listening, sort your shit out, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lower your pickups, please. <laughs> yeah, please, for the sake of Jesus. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do want to say as well. Uh, like going on about producing as well. well. What are like some of the common misconceptions that you didn't realize at first about producing or that you, you see that go around about producing, you know, the, all these common misconceptions that you've debunked over the years. Oh man, that's a good one. Misconceptions. Uh, um, so some people think that if you use samples, that's like cheating, and that's 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 in my opinion the dumbest thing ever. It like in my opinion, samples can enhance the performance greatly. Uh, that you have to EQ your guitar a lot. That's oh man, the, like I started to use less and less EQ, and to my ears, it could be wrong though, but just to my ears, my productions get better because I try to focus more on getting the source right. Yeah. 
And, oh man, it's a good one. More misconceptions. Uh, I don't really know. I think that's the, oh man, you, you got me there. I have no <laughs> idea what to say after that. I think mainly that, like get your sources, like people think, um, oh no, that's, that's basically it. Like a lot of people think that, well, okay, so I wouldn't say a misconception, but one thing that I wish I saw more was like the vision of a band that beforehand they have like a vision where they want to go to, how the album yeah. sounds. That's a, that's one that's mainly missing. Because the thing is, like I think just DI recording and then reamping, that's, I think that's a mainly... Well, I wouldn't say mainly, but a lot of done in metal versus other genres, where with other genres, they really set up the amp and try to get the sound before beforehand. It's also done in metal, but I think it's more that like DI recording, you see that less, less I think, in pop, because that's where they have like a real clear vision how it has to sound. Yeah. Yeah. When you say like how it sounds, you mean like how the song's going to go or do you mean like the literal like dynamics of the song and how the guitars are tuned and whatnot yeah bo both 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 i'd okay, say okay like for example there's oh my god like i uh like so i finished my education at the academy of pop culture in Lilwarden, and i noticed that with pop writing too there's so much focus on just just the, the fundamentals of the song and with a metal metal song i think people i think some bands don't even realize how much impact something could have if they would keep the part exactly the same but instead of playing something open played palm muted like just that just that could make a whole whole huge difference and i remember when i studied uh, composition uh, somewhere in groningen which is like a province here in the netherlands yeah i remember that composer told me because I was like, yeah, I want to be like Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman. I want to do all that stuff. He said, just write a song with a pop structure, like intro, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, verse yeah. two or something, chorus, outro, just that. And I think if some metal bands would just do that, just that, like the, the pop, I don't know how you call it, that setup. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Right? Just that fundamental, they could write the songs way better, but they, but somehow they just listen to master of puppets that they want to do an eight minute songs for just for the sake of it of eight minutes i think as well like with the song structures i think sometimes people get a bit too technical that they lose the the structure of the song itself yeah like you know the pop the pop structure can work well for a metal song and sometimes you'll be if you find it more memorable as well as yep. opposed to just like eight minutes of just pure like solos and this crazy shit going on which i like obviously but sometimes i like i can't i don't know where to catch the groove in here like yep. where's the groove <laughs> yep yeah that's it yeah I, yeah yeah that's that's it i fully agree that's all i can add to it yep yeah yeah no, absolutely um no it's, it's interesting to be honest with like song services and whatnot but yeah i want to get into your, your personal life as well so i know okay. that you're, you're a bit of a gamer um, oh, yeah. So, which game do you look back on when you have your childhood like most fondly? Like, which one you look back? Ah, oh, that's the classic oh, right there. Ocarina of Time, easily. Hell like, yeah. I, I don't have tattoos, but I think of getting a tattoo either this year or next year, and will be a Zelda tattoo easily. And I'm yeah. the worst though because I don't have a Switch and I haven't played Zelda games in ten years easily. But I mean, yeah. oh my god, that you need game. To play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I should do. Dude, dude, everyone in my surroundings says, dude play breath of the wild like it's a cool good reason man <laughs> it's funny like you say hey man it's cool you have a ps5 and you play breath of the wild and i haven't yeah yeah i should i should but later like i think ocarina of time had a huge impact on me final fantasy 10 um i'm currently playing final fantasy 7 remake this is really cool so far yeah good one what are the childhood games I, I think, yeah, I think 2001 with that, because I was born in 88, but still 2001, I played Medal of Honor, Allied Assault was really cool. And I'm blank now. Yeah, even the first Zelda was really cool and on the first Nintendo. But that was hard. Jesus, it was so hard. Still, it still is. 
Yeah, I find Zelda really hard to be honest. Like uh, Breath of the Wild is is a good entry level Zelda for me because it kind of introduces you kind of nicely. Like it gives you a lot of hints, and you know you almost get a helping hand throughout the entire game, even though it has okay. its challenges here and there. But when I play Ocarina of Time, I think because I didn't really grow up with Zelda to be honest, like it's very very hard and challenging for me. So yep. I need to proper sit down and give it the old college try again because. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Zelda's so hard, good. relentless, man. Yeah, and the soundtrack's amazing as well. My goodness. Yeah, they yeah. smash it out of the park every time. Yep. Um, so I know that you're obviously passionate about gear, um, just judging by YouTube channel, and uh, I want to ask, like, if you could, if you only could keep one piece of your gear, and the rest had to be destroyed, what would you keep and why? Oh my god. Well, I can't do anything with, with, without my interface or my PC, but I think that's a no-brainer. I would think, oh, my God. I think I think my lag guitar, because that, that's my favorite guitar. It's just a red one. Yes, I've had this for exactly, exactly no, 11 years now. This that's thing. a nice guitar. Yeah, it is. No, like... I, it is absolutely the best thing I've played in my life. It's uh, it's absolutely stunning. I have a new, there's a new custom guitar coming up from a Van der Mei, which is a Dutch builder. But so far, this is uh, absolutely stunning. Like they knocked it right out of the park. Yes, absolutely stunning. So I could, like, if my house, if my house would be on fire, I would take my girlfriend. But if I would first grab my hand on my girlfriend or the guitar, that might be the baby. No, <laughs> no, it would be uh, it would be the guitar. No, I'm kidding. It's my girlfriend. Yeah, of course. But this is that the guitar. Can't decide girlfriend guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, I, I try to be, and you, well, probably you wouldn't agree if you would see my studio, but after yeah. but when it's cleaned up and the whole changing of stuff is done. I like to be as simple and as minimalistic as possible. So. Yeah. I have one interface here, one keyboard. I have the quad cortex over here and my speakers just because I need them. That's I, I can't mix without them, but yeah. I don't want dude. If, if someone would give me a million dollars, I would never even ever have in my life, like a big rack with all these mixing compressors and that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, no, just, just no. I try to be as minimalistic as possible as functional. Yeah. See, that's the thing with um, being minimalistic. Like, I've always wanted to try and be like that. And I think for the next few years, I want to strive to do that because I've always a bit been a bit of a hoarder. So I just, I just latch on to certain things that I just, I know I don't need. But yeah, for some reason, I just can't let go of them, even though they're completely pointless. And like, it doesn't help that I got into vinyl collecting as well. So that's just like another thing added to the list of, you know, items. I, I know exactly how you feel. But at a certain point, like, and like, like people, you like you don't have to do cold turkey. Like for me, first I started removing stuff I haven't used for a year. Last year or even two years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna rip all my CDs to CD quality. So whenever I want to listen to high quality, I can listen to it. And I got rid of all my CDs. Oh wow! Yeah, everything. I think I had hundreds of them. Was it hard all to like get rid of them all? Dude, it was the best feeling I've ever oh. had in my life. No, dude, it's so good. And even, like, we go to, like, even a couple, no, last week, we went to, like, the dump, like, the place where you can dump all your stuff and it goes shipped to whatever. Like, we did that almost five times this year. And, it like, it declutters your entire life. Even, like, I found a lot, like, big boxes of old pictures of me. Like, I have five big box, boxes of pictures from when I was a kid of my mom and my whole family that kind of stuff. Even now I'm thinking, you, you know what? I'm going to get one of these devices where I can put like 200 pictures and it scans 200 pictures in a couple of minutes. So I have everything digital in high quality life and then get rid of all the pictures. Life hacks with Mendel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I want like, I even told my girlfriend when we're gonna move, like probably perhaps next year. I do yeah. the only thing I want to take with me is my PC, my studio gear, my TV, and my PlayStation 5. That's it. I don't want to have more because I don't need it. I even with books, like I try to get rid of all my books, try to get some digital so it doesn't take up any space. 
I like that, to be honest. Uh, it is hard sometimes to let go of like certain items, but the way that you describe it, it does sound like kind of freeing in a way. Um, it, oh, dude, it's, 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 dude, for your, for your mental health, dude, I wonder if you try, try to say to you, just get, just go to a friend and dump your vinyl collection and then go back to your normal life. And if you haven't thought about that vinyl collection, like perhaps, if perhaps even two times in a month, then you probably don't need that vinyl collection. Yeah, that is a good point. I think it's when you don't notice that it's gone after a while and you don't miss it. Obviously, there's a preconception before that you, you, you're going to miss it. You're going to, oh, three months' time. I missed that little figurine that was on top of my shelf. It's like, you probably won't. You probably oh, won't miss a lot of things. The best tip about that, take a picture of this figurine and then sell it. So at least have the picture whenever whenever you think about it. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> that's, that's what I I had also like important stuff like signed posters from guitar players. Took a picture of it, so it's always like sitting on my hard drive or in the cloud. Done. Would you say like there's anything that you've got rid of that you do miss and you do regret, or everything that you've done you like? I have no regrets. This is I have no regrets at all. No oh, regrets. Yeah, at all. Like there's this, there's even nothing. Like I thought I would have regretted like getting away of some some cds that were very personal to me yeah but i mean why why should i attach a part of my life to a a physical object there, yeah. there could be some exceptions like i like if someone would get like uh at, like the like the like in pulp fiction like the the dad is the, like the watch from the dad like obviously that that would be something very hard it would be let go of yeah but that's one thing. Like if you would if you would go to the here's a basic tip to some people. If you haven't used it for one year, you probably won't use it in that year or the next year. Yeah, that is so true. I could look around my room right now and I could probably spot at least thousand things that I just don't need. But right. I've got but there's I still got that attachment. But I think I'm planning to move out like this year with my girlfriend so i think then i might do it use it as a fresh start just to leave everything behind in my old house and just you know only bring what i need and see see if it makes you feel any better because I, I generally think it will how about this sell and throw away all the stuff now so when you go moving you're done yeah that's it completely done yeah and to, even try perhaps try getting rid of one object a week or one object a day if you want to. And That's it could good. be a yeah. paper clip or a pen or a book even. Just give it to someone or, or put it on eBay or anything. Mm. But yeah, that's a, I could really recommend it to anyone. Yeah. I feel like any, out, out of context, this conversation sounds like you're trying to give me advice on like giving up drugs or give, giving up <laughs> like smoking or something. No, no, no. <laughs> so no, little, no. Buy a little dog or cold turkey right away. Just do yeah. one bit at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, but uh, seriously, oh man, it's so freeing. And I, I had a feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to miss those fucking CDs. I bought that CD there on tour and bought that CD back in 2005 and that kind of stuff. No, no, no. But you keep you keep the memories up here. Like these, these time in your life is not going to go. It's not just in an object. Like it's something that you keep as a memory as opposed to that. So it doesn't yeah, need to be physical. And, and like I said, like if you have an emotional value of it, Take a picture of it or a couple of pictures of it and then get it away or give it away. Give it to someone who really likes or needs it. Yeah. No, that's yeah. really interesting. That's why I will keep that in mind. <laughs> Do it. Um, what are some of your hobbies and interests that people might not know about you? So things that you don't display on social media, things that you are interested in and you like to do in your spare time. I've been studying card magic for 15 years. Wow, that is not what I expected. But <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> no, so back in like like uh, I have like a huge playing card collection which I've been collecting, and I've and to be honest, with the whole minimalism thing, I put all the deck, all the playing card decks that I don't use anymore on eBay, but like still to this day, no one has has bought them. But um, yeah, so oh man, this is it's a it's not that long of a story, but in 2001, when I was 13 or 12 something, my English teacher, he showed me a video, a video tape of David Blaine, which was like the first David Blaine, the magician. Yeah, I've heard called, of him, yeah. 
like like the, the street magic thing. And then it was cool, was really impressed, but there's nothing with it. But then in 2005, when YouTube got launched, someone put up a video of Darren Brown, his card magic repertoire. And this was before, this was during Darren Brown's first TV show, I think, if I'm correct. Yeah, Darren Brown. And the routine blew me away. It still blew me away. But I was like, okay, I want to know how he does it. And that routine is, was like an eight-minute routine or something. It's one of the most like sick, awesome, difficult card routines like out there. And it still is, like it still is. But like, I wanted to learn that. And then yeah, I started with some first some one, one video, and then I started collecting card magic books. And I really wanted to go like go into the underground, like you know, the whole nerdy, like the, the hardest card tricks, the very hardest card tricks ever. That, that like if you look at it, it looks like a cool card trick. But if you're a magician, you know, like okay, he knows his shit. Yeah. That's I've been studying card tricks for 15 years and card magic and the whole uh yeah, the whole world about that. Um uh, should, should I show you a trick? I, I was literally going to ask you that. I was like, <laughs> would you do a trick? Because I feel like this is a missed opportunity, if not. Let me see. If, are these... And trust me, I'm, pre- I'm pretty fucking gullible when it comes to like magic and stuff. So <laughs> you could impress me with anything right now. That's a good one. That's a good one. Let me see if I... Okay, is this a good one? Okay. Let me see this. I need to make some space here. Okay. Right, I'll, I'll just use my mouse pad as an uh, as a card magic tape. Let's see if this works. So, can you see this? Yeah, I can see it fine. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, uh, I'll just spread the card. I'll just move my finger like this, and you can just say stop whenever you want. Stop. Right here. Yep. Okay. I'm not. I'm seriously not going to look at it, but you can look at it. Oh, you might need, you need to bring it a bit down. Uh, yeah, got it. You got it? Cool. Cool. Okay. So this card goes right here in the middle of the deck. Mm-hmm. Just like so. So I'm not going to look, but so just so you can see. Yep. So nothing fish is going on. I'm just going to press it just in the middle like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the weird thing is when you look to the card box over here, there's actually one card in it. So as you can see, there's one card right in the box. So it's empty now. Mm -hmm. And if I'm correct, it should be your card. Oh, wow. (laughs) It is. There you go. Um... So the last one, I'll just do one more, just for fun. Okay, okay. Okay, so you can say stop whenever you want when I'm just spreading the cards. Stop. Right here, again, I'm gonna look. Can you see it like this? Yep. Okay. So it goes back into the middle of the deck. And what I'll actually do is I'll grab half of the deck, just like so. So one half is face up and one half is face down. And what I'll do is I'll shuffle those halves together, just like so. So you can see, I'm sure if you can see it like this, but we have cards that are face up mm-hmm. and there are cards that are face down. And there are cards that are back to back. So everything's mixed up. Okay? Yep. So when I snap my fingers, just like that, you can actually see that all cards are straightened out again. Except for one card in the middle. And that should be your card. Oh my God. (laughs) How do you do it, man? (laughs) I know, it's magic. Absolute magic. I yeah. guess you won't tell me because a magician never reveals his secrets, right? This is this is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm impressed with that. Yeah, there you so yeah, that's so that and uh oh man, what else? I love reading, I love I I used to solve Rubik Rubik's cubes a lot, all that nerdy stuff. And yeah, that's basically I love movies, but that's pretty mainstream, I think. But yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, you've already blown me away with a magic trick. So, like, that's that's definitely <laughs> something that caught me off guard. And I do like surprises. Uh, yeah, that is <laughs> going to be go. fun. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a fun, fun segment of the show. There you go. Um, so, obviously, you were in aborted. Like, what are some of the most treasured moments for you looking back? Oh, man. Uh, playing Wakan was awesome. Oh, yeah. Japan, going to the United States. Uh, basically, doing what you love, touring the world with your best friends, basically. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that, 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 to be honest, basically sums it all up. Yeah. Just touring with your best buds all over the world. Um playing with my favorite bands that I look up to when I was younger. Black, touring with Black Dahlia Murder was awesome. Probably going to forget a, like a lot of bands, but definitely that was a highlight. Touring with Vader with my first tour. I love that band so much. And yeah, playing all these festivals with all these uh, amazing bands. Yeah, basically that. No, you can't complain. We like traveling the world, you know, seeing all your favorite bands, like being right, with the best yeah. mates. Like, can't complain with that at all. What was like some of the most interesting places that you went to them? Oh, oh like definitely Japan, which is cool. yeah. J- Japan was amazing. We went to Japan twice. Oh my, I cherish Japan still to this day. I absolutely love that culture. I love the people. Yeah, so um, Can- Canada was amazing. Maple syrup for life. Oh yeah. And, oh my god. Um, Russia was interesting. Uh, but I have to say Japan and Canada for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really good, to be honest, because um, this, well, September, this September, we, me and my girlfriend were meant to go to Japan, to Tokyo. Okay. But because they're on the, um, I think they're on the Amber or the Red List uh, here in the UK, so we can't actually go visit. Okay. disappointing because last year was obviously cancelled as well. We were meant to go then. So we're hoping, fingers crossed, that 2022 will, will be the one. Really cool, dude, 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 oh, dude, dude, you're going to love it. You're going to love it to death. Absolutely stunning country, yep. Absolutely. I can't wait. Um, so we are sort of getting to the end point of the interview now, and one way that we always like to leave it is what advice would you give to your younger self and what advice would you give to a new sort of musician that's wanting to get involved in it? What advice would I give to my younger self? Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even have to be like musically related. Just what would you? What advice would you give? Oh, oh man, I, I, oh, dude, I. There is oh, this going to be sounds so egoistic, but I don't think I would give advice because I'm so happy where I'm now and so happy about the choice I've made. Like the the only thing I could say, and that wouldn't change the course. It would go back in line, but I say to my younger self, like keep doing the stuff that makes you happy because that's the most important thing ever in the world. And it's like, I feel, especially in the Netherlands, because we're really sober, like not a lot of people say that because like the cringe factor is like really easily ignited, especially with me. Like when even at family gatherings, when people say like, oh my God, like the weather was amazing. Like I cringe really fast, (laughs) which is stupid. But just saying, like, do, just do the things that make you happy. Like, I, I, that's the most important thing in, in your life. Don't be yeah. a, don't be a fucking dick, and uh, yeah, do things that make you happy. It's so, it's so important. Well, as your magician, you know, I do yeah. like surprises, and that was a surprise <laughs> answer. But no, I, yeah. I think I like that. Like, you, you wouldn't change anything because you know a lot of people are. Oh, I tell myself to do this. I tell myself to do that. But you know. At the end of the day, it led you to where you are now. And sometimes you've got to go through the bad choices to be able to appreciate the good choices that you make in the future. Yeah. Like not everything's going to be a smooth sail. And sometimes it builds character to, you know, go through the trepidations of life. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing that's probably the one of the better answers that we've we've had on here. So I like yeah. that. And the and the second question was, what would you say to a new musician? Yeah, just like a new musician that's wanting to get started and you know, is a bit apprehensive about it, perhaps. Uh, try on and this is so hard for a new musician but try to be original like try to do something new or else Mm. in my opinion and i could be totally wrong about this i'm not the music industry expert but if you 
don't try to achieve something new like most people probably won't care yeah and you can see it in the mainstream stuff even in the middle stuff like spirit box is so fucking good because it's it's a new sound like there are tons tons of bands where a girl can scream and sing but how they do it with the whole music around it and the yeah. whole visual thing they present it's it's awesome it's 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 fucking stunning. So try to be, find your, oh my God, this, dude, I sound like a fucking grandpa at 60. But <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> try, try to find your own sound, which is hard at the beginning because you're just learning, but try to make something unique. For me, like there, are, there, there aren't a lot of bands who put like a harpsichord instrument in their music. And I love harpsichords to death. Like it's one of the most fascinating instruments. So I try to, incorporate it in a modern way so yeah try to find your own sound or else it has no no point there's no, no point to making music in my opinion except yeah. for making music and getting out of the system but if you're a new musician and you want to get bigger be original make make yeah. something new yeah, i mean to be definitely. fair you, you could look at like the bands over the last couple of years and you can see that the bands that do change it up and add some more elements into it are the ones that are receiving all the prayers and the ones that are receiving all the publicity that they need, like right. uh, Kurt Orange and, like you said, Spirit Box and Ghost yep. Man. Like, just do, like you said, just do something new and then people will notice because if you're just in the sea of bands that all sound like each other, then, you know, you're not going to get noticed, really. You're just going to get... All right, so, like, because I, I've had the question a lot during the years, like, okay, hey, we're a band, man, you play in the boarded... What should we do to get higher up? And I say, let's say there's a famous promoter or a famous, or like a big ass label, like Nuclear Blast something, or a gig and walking, for an example. If you are in a jar with 99 other bands, why would someone pick you out instead of the 99 other ones? Yeah. Like what's your, oh my God, it's such... It's such a shitty term, but it's true. What's your unique selling point? Like, yeah. what do you bring to the table that other that other bands don't? It's like a job interview, right? Thing. Like, what? you know, it's like a job interview. So, you exactly. know, if you're not unique, then you're not going to get picked. That's it. No, that's so, right. That's so, why would you get picked out? What's that special thing that other bands, bands don't do? Like, if you look to, look to, okay, for example, to round it up, when you look to Meshuggah Live, have you seen Meshuggah Live? Um, I'm seeing them next year, hopefully. So. Right, dude, dude, that band sounds amazing. It's probably the best metal band on the planet, in my opinion. Very talented. But, yeah. but adding to that, dude, the light show, dude, you will be blown away. It's, it's amazing. It's the whole experience. That band live without their sound guy would be way less entertaining, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. makes for it. Um, I think as well, like, I, I can't relate to being a musician, like, I can't play for shit. Um, but I can relate to the podcast anyway, because you know, when we first started, like, we wanted to ask bands and musicians like questions that they wouldn't be asked by loudwire or something like you know i always thought why does everyone get why does everyone ask all the same questions and it just got a bit tedious i like to learn about the person and we, we were more inspired by someone like sean evans that does hot ones on youtube oh yeah yeah like, yeah like to me he's the best interviewer that there is on there because he just the way that he delves into people's you know personality is what they're actually interested in like not just speaking about the one thing that they did that time like that to me is more interesting than you know, the, the, don't get me wrong. Like, I love a lot of metal podcasts. Like, I'm a big fan of Vox and Hops, but there is certain, you know, interviewers out there that just ask the same generic questions, and that's True. why they, they they don't stand out. So I think that's what the kind of approach that we wanted to go for with this. Yeah. Oh, and um, like with, oh my god, like there's such an, such an, uh, how should I say this? Uh, People are gonna hate me for this, but I think there's an overall lack of depth into personality, with especially when, when well, I wouldn't say per se, especially, but there's a lack of depth overall with. Um, oh, I don't even know how to say this. Like metal is a genre, is a genre where people are like 
really tough, right? And like everybody knows, like on stage we're really tough, but when we're off stage, we're probably the sweetest people on the planet. Exactly. I would say. Exactly. And there's a certain depth lacking that people, yeah, like need to express. I'd say I have even no idea where I'm going with this, but there's I don't know how how I should should say this, but like getting more on a personal level. Like like dude, if someone's listening to this and wants to write music, dude, just dig into yourself. What do you want to get out there and how should it feel? Like you said, like you said, I remember in 2018 or 2019 or something, like even now I don't listen to a lot of metal. When I work out, that's when I listen to metal. And of course, when I mix, I remember I was on YouTube and Code Orange passed by. And from the million of bands, I I felt Code Orange. Yeah. Like I, I saw that video that it's that black and white video. I can't remember just, but it's the thing's the most famous song. Forever. But I'm like, oh, like holy what? Yeah. Was it forever? Oh, it could be. I gotta go look it up. Now now I have to know what the song is. Yeah. One second. Code Orange do hit differently. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> is it it was called for it's forever, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh my god, when that hit, I'm like, yes, that's what we need. You you feel it, you know it, you feel that anger, that depth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been a very, ah, ins- dude, no very insightful conversation. And uh you definitely had a few surprises in there, which is what I like. I like to be surprised and I'm glad I could show you magic tricks on the on the on the channel. So there you go. I'm waiting like hopefully someone will comment like, oh, I know how he did this. I'm like, yes, he didn't tell me, so I'm gonna find out. <laughs> but yeah, no, oh that was God, yeah, that was Thank cool, you. man. Thank yeah, you. Looking forward to seeing what you're gonna do next, and uh, all the best of luck with your solo project you're producing and your YouTube channel. It's been really fun talking to you, man. Likewise, dude. Have a great day and an awesome week. Yeah, and stay safe. <laughs> Cheers, dude. Bye.